Well, the hardest thing for me is transitioning from being an athlete to what I do next. And so um, I got into entrepreneurship and trying to recalibrate my focus um, became, became challenging. And So where I found Psychedelics useful was uh, giving me that space to get more in touch with my creativity, to see the value in what I could do, and to gain a lot of um, comfort and value from working on really interesting projects. Um, like more recently working with KGK Sciences, um, where I'm excited is to see how it can actually help benefit the mental health capacity of the Canadian healthcare system. Hey, 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 welcome to the Mindfulness Experience Podcast. We're live here at the Psychedelic Science MAPS convention, and we're an official podcast uh, for the convention, and today we have the pleasure of interviewing Alex Kopach. He's an Olympic medalist and bobsled, and a strong advocate for the use of psychedelics. We'll be discussing his journey, experiences, and insights on how psychedelics have played a role in his life. So let's dive in. Alex, thank you first of all for joining us today. Can you start by giving us a little bit of background about how you first became interested in exploring psychedelics? Nice to be on the podcast. I uh, first came across it actually post-Olympics. And one of the things that shocked me, um, in spite of having such great successes, um, I was extremely unhappy. I felt that uh, I didn't know where to go next. You've achieved that one thing that you didn't think was achievable. and I had a bunch of chronic pain issues, injuries, surgeries that I had, a lot of anger turned inwards, and uh, the depression caught me off guard. And it took me a good while to try and get a handle on it. So I first explored therapy, then medications, and at some point uh, I was recommended to read the book How to Change Your Mind. And through reading that and kind of delving into the research, um, luckily for me I have a bit of an academic background, so I was able to you know, synthesize some of the work and kind of make an educated decision on pulling the trigger. Um, and I think the first experience I had where I had that ego death, um, it was very insightful where, not very a visual experience, but this concept where it's like, I can just let go of my anger was the one thing that I walked away from with that. And it gave me enough distance where I felt that I could maybe progress with just my recovery without using medication anymore. And so this is where I started to see how powerful a tool it could be from my own personal experience. Mm, wow. Well, that's amazing, and uh, you're an Olympic gold medal winner, and uh, I'm thinking that, uh, you know, performance is a really big part of, uh, you know, your overall measure of how you measure yourself and what you're doing. So how do you feel the use of psychedelics has impacted your athletic performance, your mental clarity, and your overall well-being? Well, the hardest thing for me is transitioning from being an athlete to what I do next, and so um, I got into entrepreneurship. And I felt that was a good space where I could still feel like I was competing. And trying to recalibrate my focus um, became, became challenging. And so where I found psychedelics useful was uh, giving me that space to get more in touch with my creativity, to see the value in what I could do, and to gain a lot of um, comfort and value from working on really interesting projects. 
um, like more recently working with KGK Sciences, um, where I'm excited is to see how it can actually help benefit the mental health capacity of the Canadian healthcare system. I mean, globally, it'll be a hugely impactful tool, but I just have a lot of people, whether it's family members or friends that have struggled with addiction or mental health issues, and to see that this tool could be applied in such a way to make such a huge gain, that's motivating to be a part of such an impactful uh, problem to solve. Mm, wow. So uh, when you start taking a look at uh, overall athletic performance and, uh, you, know, uh, you know, using the science around it, what challenges uh, have you faced when it comes to uh, integrating psychedelics into your training regime or personal life? And have you encountered any stigma or resistance from others in the sports world? Well, I guess uh, to be clear, I didn't really partake in any kind of drugs during my competitive years just to, to avoid any kind of doping violations or things like this. But, but post-sport, um, I started to want to explore and understand why so many professionals that I had came across, how they're able to leverage and use this to improve their professional careers or just work on themselves. And so the biggest thing about, let's say, the big stigma, I would say, with psychedelics actually comes just prior to the psychedelic portion. It's the stigma of being open about your mental health. Um, and that's a big, big part that's challenging. So as, as an athlete, uh, you know, one thing that you mentioned earlier, um, a lot of my self-worth comes from the concept of what have you done for us lately? Your most recent win is the only win that matters. Can you win again next time? So switching from sport to trying to do things in entrepreneurial space where it takes more time, there's no tangible wins day to day. You could have a win and a loss within three hours, a bad phone call, a bad meeting, a good meeting, and it's a yo-yo ride. And so trying to find the patience is challenging. And so that's where you have to learn to kind of really get in touch with yourself and be comfortable in your own skin in that moment. And I found some of those psychedelic experience allowed me to be more present and to not be thinking about tomorrow too soon and to be appreciative of the current win that we had as opposed to just fixating on the losses. So in being honest with myself with some of the mental health challenges I had, the only hurdle I had to get around from my ego side is that people wouldn't see me as infallible, as this complete, total, perfect rock of strength. Uh, and so to like some of my immediate friends and family, I was always that person that could handle everything and just kept accomplishing bigger and bigger things. So redefining the self-worth, I think, is what's so valuable and powerful to psychedelics because you can totally see yourself from a different perspective and learn how to love where you're at. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And, you know, I love this phrase, uh, you know, it's not about your net worth, it's about your self-worth. And, uh, you know, one of the things I'm uh, really aware of is that, you know, you had a, a breakthrough moment, uh, if you will. Can you share maybe a specific experience uh, or, you know, what that breakthrough moment might be, what happened, you know, maybe while you were using psychedelics and, you know, how has it impacted you uh, personally in your life and your career? Well, the, the biggest, let's say, inter, um, like personal um, uh, impact moment for me was being able to distance myself from let's say some of the stressors I was feeling. I, I'm the kind of athlete that fixates on things. I fixate on winning, I can fixate on training, I can also fixate on really small things that irritated me. And so learning to let go of a lot of things that you can't control, people say this time and time again, but it's really hard to internalize it. Um, it allowed me to realize that I could let go. And then I had to question myself, why can't I let go sometimes? Why do those losses hurt so much? Why, why does that make me feel like an immediate failure? So 
rebuilding self-confidence without being able to physically do it. And this was also very challenging where at one point I was the strongest, fastest guy in the room. All the injuries and stuff you no longer can be. So now how do you redefine yourself, let's say in my case, as a man? I'm no longer identified by my strength. I need to be identified by my utility in, you know, how I contribute to the community, to the, to the company, things like this. Um, but ultimately, it's not about that. I mean, that's an inner driver. But getting comfortable knowing that I need to find people that don't define me by that in my, let's say, inner circle is, is, is important. Um, and then the other thing is trying to manage a lot of like the chronic pain and stuff. Um, I do think that there's also a psychological component. Um, I'll put it to you this way. Therapist told me that uh, I need to read a book called uh, In an Unspoken Voice. And basically the concept around that is psychologically exploring how your body stops trusting you. So I pushed myself to injury time and time again. And I got to a spot where I had panic attacks about to start my squats. And so I had to get reconnected with my body so my body could trust me that I was going to take care of it now. And again, another space where you're able to get that deep introspection is through some of those psychedelic experiences where you can kind of hear your own body as if it was a couple's therapy moment. This is what you've done to us and we don't like it. <laughs> can we do this? Can we work together? So, so yeah, I had some, some good growth from those moments. So this, this area of introspection, this area of really sort of befriending yourself and you know, I, I call it embodiment, being in your body and being more present to what's going on. Um, you know, this is the mindfulness experience and, you know, the whole idea of just being present is a big thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, meditation and mindfulness can play a big role in a psychedelic experience. So I'm wondering from the standpoint of, you know, psychedelic um, experiences, usually there's the preparation, there's the dosing, then there's the integration and activating it out into the world. So uh, can you talk about that in terms of uh, maybe how you've, you know, integrated uh, your experience and the practices of maybe just being in your body, this introception, this introspection uh, in your own life? Well, the first time I decided to to make like a proper um, session of it, uh, I reached out to a friend of mine that's in psychedelic research, and uh, she was able to to spend like the evening with me to to so-called babysit. And prior to that, I had an intention set to what I was looking for to kind of gain from it. And then afterwards, I I wrote down notes and uh, and I tried to kind of lean back on some of the recordings I took during the session, just to remind myself some of those insights. Um, but the one thing that I found very interesting is, um, and for everyone I'm sure it's different, but uh, how long I felt uh, a change in my attitude, being able to be more patient around my parents, for example. I mean, that's a funny one. I'm sure everyone has irritations with their mom and dad, but just being more patient because I no longer felt the need to internalize any of those reoccurring irritations. Um, and I think another thing that can happen is being reacquainted with that childlike curiosity. That's something that kind of really struck me in that, that one uh, big session where it just made me feel like I could do anything, anything was possible, and that I could do whatever, really detailed, skilled work in that moment, and perhaps this is how famous art was created, and maybe we all have that capacity. And, and so over the years in my startup company, I've actually taken more to coding, almost out of necessity, but that's something that used to really intimidate me. Regardless of my physics background, I wasn't the strongest coder, and now I feel like I no longer let that inner voice tell me that I can't or I shouldn't or that I'm not as strong of a writer as I wanted to be. And, but without that real honesty with your inner voice, um, 
it's hard. And I would say that things that are intangible, like deliverables for work, the work is completed, but how good is it? Whereas in sport, it's very objective. That was the fastest time, period. That's the fastest time historically. So whether or not it was your best work, you can still be proud and say, I beat everyone. Right. You know, and so getting back to the intangible space, um, it's uh, it's tough. So either you have good network, good people around you to give you that that support, but ultimately we have to internalize our own motivation and our own self confidence. Um, and so that's where I felt it was a very useful tool. Interesting, interesting. So uh, you've uh, really uh, been able to sort of step on or step up from the experience and really not only have more sensitivity and a sense of awareness, but also giving yourself permission. You know, which is which is great. I mean, you know, everyone needs to give themselves permission to do the very things that they would like to do, and it sounds like you're doing that. It's uh, it's really great. Let me ask you: uh, when we start taking a look at usage, uh, uh, you know, how, in your view, because you're in, you know, you're a professional athlete, and uh, you know, uh, there are people out there that might think that you know this is. Well, it's certainly not steroids, but it's certainly, um, you know, a way to not only change your mind, but be more clear, perhaps, about what your mind is telling you and what your body is telling you. Uh, but um, in terms of responsible use, how do you approach responsible use and harm reduction when it comes to psychedelics, especially considering the pressures and the expectations that come with being a professional athlete? What would you say to folks be you know, that are listening to this, thinking that somehow this is a this is the answer to, uh, you know, their lives issues. Well, just to be clear, I'm not sure in competition how this could be properly controlled and, and, and moderated. I'd say like when and how WADA will be able to incorporate this in a way that would make sense will probably take some time. But in, in my case, I'm very lucky that I've had the opportunity to know who to reach out to from an academic capacity. And so, can you trust that everyone will be able to make that same uh, safe decision? Because, for example, doing something like this on your own could have a lot of negative consequences. Uh, doing it and trying to do something athletic may be also detrimental, it may put other people on your team at risk. And so, um, in the spirit of a mental performance for the sake of sport, I'm not sure yet how it can be properly uh, controlled in such a way that a person couldn't accuse you of a performance enhancing thing. Um, but I do believe as athletes go through some of their hardest times, um, what's more detrimental, chronic use of antidepressants or having a one shot therapy session with a therapist to try and get over some of those hurdles. Some of the losses that some athletes can experience could actually completely torpedo their athletic career and then the fallout of no longer being able to compete because of whatever that thing was can greatly impact the next five six years of their lives because now they have to completely redefine themselves as not failures but as a human being that can move on so i feel like a good opening spot is athletes that are struggling from the transition zone Think of it more like a veteran coming back from an overseas situation, perhaps giving them like a week reintegration period with therapy sessions. Leveraging this might be a good way to help them let go of some of those things that they experienced and allow themselves to move forward. Because I think the biggest thing that was always kind of uh, re reinforced is having a short memory in sport. You don't have time to still linger on the mistake from five seconds ago. There's another thing that has to happen that has to be perfect. In the scope of bobsled, in any given World Cup race, we have two runs. That means I have two opportunities to be as perfect as I can be to do my job. If I make a mistake on the first one, 
I don't have time to keep beating myself up for the next one. The next one has to be like it was the first time again and another perfect execution. So in lieu of, let's say, not being able to apply mindful meditation practices regularly, um, I believe there could be a way that a protocol could be established, controlled through whether it's the team doctor or a team therapist, uh, where it could be used in perhaps outside of competition, like preseason or postseason. That's wonderful. Um, and I specifically like, uh, you know, your perception and your view of, you know, a lot of the issues that a lot of athletes may bring to the team or to the court or to the field, wherever they are, uh, specifically and how depression or not making a goal or not, you know, being the rated as the top athlete, if you will, how that can really you know, take charge of one one's life. Uh, we were reminded of uh, Ted Lasso's uh, la last uh, show, where he's on the plane and uh, he's reading the book, uh, Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind. You know, so uh, I th I think that's wonderful. It's wonderful that you have that uh, perspective. And you know, you're a gold uh, gold medalist and a public figure. I'm wondering, how do you plan to use this platform as an advocate for the? you know, responsible use of, um, you know, uh, psychedelics, certainly, but in the research that you're doing and the work that you're doing within the sports community and beyond. So I guess uh, to begin, I would say that my initial start came from, of course, as I mentioned, a mental health perspective, but a second thing that happens in sports that have head trauma related things, I'll say it like this, uh, I've had a bunch of very likely undiagnosed concussions. And in most uh, impact sports, you tend not to admit that you've been concussed because you want to keep playing. You want your spot on the team. So the second thing I was curious about when it came to this exploration was like the neurogenesis, mm. trying to fix my brain from all the things that I'd done to it. Um, so that actually led me to a bunch of imaging studies um, at the Sick Kids Hospital in Toronto where they have this beautiful uh, setup where they can actually visualize the networks of the brain and see how they're communicating with each other. Uh, the first step was to evaluate, you know, PTSD brains, yes or no. So they'd be looking at uh, veterans. But there was also a space to look at that from an athletic perspective. And so athletes have a lot of things in common with regards to, like, the magnitude of their losses and how that could potentially affect them longer term. So trying to see how the intersection lies between um, mental health as well as trying to change... Um, or try to repair some of the damage that can be incurred from that's a young athletes that are willing to die for their sports um, because we have many years after sport and that's something as a young person you don't really think about you think about the here and now and you're willing to literally sacrifice everything to, to make that happen but when you have 30 extra years and you find yourself being more forgetful more frustrated more impatient and you're not sure why um, that can be a very scary sp situation and so to think that there's an opportunity to leverage this with some of these imaging techniques and uh, modern therapy uh, practices is exciting because there's a lot of people that could use help healing from their time in sport. Now that's my personal perspective as an athlete. Beyond that there's a lot of different professions that actually have a lot of um, uh, unrealized uh, damage that's happened like even for example looking at veterans even shooting rifle rounds are all mini concussions that shockwave does something and over a period of time it accumulates to a traumatic brain injury so where I've kind of come more into the space and working with KGK sciences um, in my family there's a history of uh, mental health and addiction issues so the thought that for example a family member could be saved with some of these more uh, I'll say novel and aggressive uh, treatments is exciting to me. 
on Thursdays I, I work part-time at a um, methadone clinic in town. Um, you see people that that's their life for decades, maybe longer. Um, and clearly the, the standard treatments are just not working because you hope to not just give band-aids, you hope to actually help someone totally make a big shift. So my hope longer term is that through my mix between my academic background, my, my sport uh, platform, um, that I could be a part of connecting the right dots to make uh, bigger projects more successful, to help with like the regulatory side of it, and to make, um, you know, from Health Canada perspective, uh, a legitimate uh, treatment option. Well, that's, uh, that's absolutely wonderful, and uh, I, I really uh, appreciate your, you know, your, the work that you're doing, not only uh, as a gold medalist, but also uh, in your private life, in your public life. Uh, and, uh, you know, just finally, Alex, uh, I'm wondering what your, you know, what are your hopes for the future of psychedelic science and its potential applications to improve mental health? And uh, maybe for those people who are on, you know, in sports or maybe not, um, you know, looking at retirement or, you know, looking at the next 30 years of their lives, as you say, um, you know, looking at a, a perspective of overall well-being. Um, my hope, and, and I guess just to clarify the academic background, as an engineer and, and a physics grad, I, I always am excited by novel solutions that either help speed up processes or gain more efficiencies. And to think that you can condense 10 years of therapy into potentially uh, one to five treatments, um, I think is very exciting. And that's not to be blinded by it being a silver bullet. Um, but looking at novel therapies is just a natural progression. We're always finding ways to in increase computational speed and uh, the, 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 the psychology and, and psychiatry space. Um, you know, I've heard it said that it has become a little bit stagnant as far as its progress in, in, in new uh, novel methods. So that's not to take away anything from the researchers in that field, but it's to say we're at this beautiful tipping point where we have a new tool that's been essentially um, rediscovered I mean, considering the history of what had happened in the war on drugs, but, um, and it can be a brand new opening to completely helping unlock more human potential and helping people overcome hurdles, perhaps sooner in life. Maybe get to a spot where by a certain age you can, whether it be genetically speaking or whether it could be from like therapy uh, checkpoints, uh, knowing when such interventions could be helpful to completely avoid let's say some of the deepest, darkest times that we all experience in our lives. And they will come, and it's normal, and it's natural, but I think the first time for some people, it could be very overwhelming. And in North America, we're blessed by having a, a relatively safe and stable uh, place to live. And then when life kicks you in the teeth, which it will, sometimes that can completely uh, knock you off course, and, uh, and that's a shame. And so in, in the spirit of us all becoming a little bit more connected and having uh, more options in saving ourselves from our darkest innermost voices, um, it's very exciting to see this become a legitimate therapy. Well, that's, that's very wise and uh, I, I really like that vision going forward of having uh, integrated health and wellness, integrated health care to really look at helping. You know, in so many ways, the, it seems like the care has gone out of health care and uh, you know you've described a, a world where people can you know really take charge of their lives have full agency over their lives be fully embodied be empowered and uh, you know I, I don't think anyone would uh, argue with any of that uh, so uh, you know I, I, I just want to uh, really kind of 
finally say, you know, thank you. Thank you for doing what you're doing. Uh, Alex Kopach, uh, for sharing your insights and your experiences on the Mindfulness Experience podcast here at the Psychedelic Science 2023 convention. And uh, we appreciate your openness, too. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's real important to have that kind of advocacy and the responsible use of psychedelics. And also, in terms of personal growth, uh, and performance for individuals to really get out of their own way and to get busy with their own lives. So thank you, Alex. It was a pleasure and honor, and uh, being at this conference has been incredible to see how much good work is happening. And uh, I really, really look forward to uh, the future. Thanks for your time. Thank you for listening to the Mindfulness Experience Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We have other exciting guests coming up in the next few weeks, so stay tuned. For more mindfulness tips and tricks, visit our website at workmindfulness.com. Thanks again for being a part of the Mindfulness Experience. This is Keith Fiveson.